Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. And today on the show, we are breaking down the day two press conference between Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Going to talk about second round pick Daryl Taylor. The Seahawks traded up for him. He's a pass rusher out of Tennessee. And they also traded back to get Damian Lewis, the offensive guard from LSU. They apparently liked the third round pick well enough to go ahead and release DJ Fluker this week. They also released Justin Britt. And those moves brought the Seahawks salary cap space just under $23 million, so hopefully enough to sign a pass rusher here coming in this offseason. Even if the Seahawks sign a veteran pass rusher, there were expectations that Seattle could also add to the defensive line in the draft. And John Schneider says Daryl Taylor was in consideration for their first-round pick, and that Taylor was one of the last guys they had in for an official visit before travel restrictions were put in place for the draft process. Here's John Schneider kicking off day two of the Seahawks post-draft press conferences. Real effective day. You know, we, uh, starting with Daryl, I mean, we, we, uh, he was in consideration last night and, uh, we're, we're, our guys did a great job of working their tails off to try to keep getting up to try to, to try to acquire them. And, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty hot. Um, we view him as, uh, uh, one of the very, very top pass rushers in this league. Uh, you know, he played through a, a stress fracture last year in his leg and, and, uh, in his fibula and, and, uh, you know, just sucked it up and then ended up having surgery at the end of the year and, uh, doctors feel good about him. And, uh, we've seen him run around and, and, uh, uh, you, there's video of him working out and that sort of thing. We had him in for a visit, he had a great visit with the staff. It was, he was actually the, the last guy we had in, uh, before, you know, the, the quarantine came into effect. So uh, just really excited. Um, and I know the coaching staff's very excited about, you know, a guy that, that you know, can really put his hand in the ground and, and jump off the ball and, and uh, you know, play with really good leverage and effort and work his way back to the quarterback. Head coach Pete Carroll says Taylor was really effective in the pass rush, particularly on third down. He's a very upbeat personality, uh, the aggressive kid, um, it really, like John said, had that one visit with us that was worked out great for us. We, you know, we got to get close, up close and personal, and all. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff on the edge, so he's a real edge player. Uh, he's done some dropping, but mostly he's been a rusher. Um, really was effective when, when you look at him in his third down rushes when he was really determined. They did a lot of stuff with him defensively, so there was times when you you could see him. You know, he had to do a lot of a lot of responsibilities, which is really good. Uh, well versed. Uh, we really wanted to get a pass rusher if we could. Uh, I, I thought two things I would mention that last night when uh, we had Brooks right where we, Johnny had him nailed the whole time that this is where this guy may come to us. We were waiting on it and it worked out great. And then the next shot was to try to get Taylor. And so um, it just worked out excellent in excellent fashion for us. So really good picks and just will give us a big boost. Coach Carroll's asked to address whether Daryl Taylor fits in that typical pass rusher mold of Frank Clark and Chris Clemens. Yeah, he is is exactly that. He's right in that mold. Um, he, he's you know, the height, weight, speed thing is there. His aggressiveness is there. His flexibility, uh, his savvy for for turning the corner and doing the things that that position calls for. The power he has to finish. He's got speed to power moves, um, and there's there's enough ability there for him to do some dropping. The few times that we do that when we mix our our looks and all, so. We thought he was a, an absolute in-the-pocket guy for us, and, and uh, so that was easy an easy evaluation in that regard. So we're very happy to get him, and we know he's going to have a chance to contribute early. 
So it sounds like they like Taylor as a pass rusher, but how does he stack up against the run game? Very aggressive. Um, he's made. He's been a good tackler. Um, really is you know is strong at the point of attack. Holds the edge. What what those guys are asked to do on plays at him is to hold the edge and, and, and really attack that you know the tackle with the tight end that they're playing on. They'll be featured edge players. You know as the game continues to to widen and spread. You know in the, the perimeter uh, attack seems to continue to grow. Those guys are more factors, and so it was a really important pick for us to get. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have a rotation of those guys so uh, we can keep those guys fresh and, and, and uh, the motor burning. Uh, so um, everything about it fits just right. Considering they'd like to have these young players produce and have an impact on the team early on, what's the biggest challenge for a guy like Daryl Taylor getting ready for the NFL? You know, he's played against such good competition and he really has rushed against the best tackles and, and, and had that opportunity. That That's the biggest challenge is that, you know, the, the level of play is so much more consistent in, in the style of players and the, the size of the guys who play consistently, but he's gone up against the best. And so um, that adds to the ability to evaluate him clearly. So it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, his, his willingness to keep fighting the fight because it's hard. You know, you rush hundreds of times just to get those couple pressures as they come along and you just got to keep battling. So he looks like he has a good motor. His consistency is there and very competitive kid. So uh, if he'll just bring that fight in, in, uh, then he won't have any trouble learning what, what we're asking him. He he's already knows how to play the, the edge position. Um, he's been coached well. And so he just needs to learn his assignments and adapt and then be ready to adapt to the level of play um, and the consistency of how good that is. So yeah, he's going to be fine on this. He's been set up really well uh, to, to do well here. The Seahawks traded into the second round last year to get DK Metcalf at the very end of round two. And so this year was the second straight year that the Seahawks made a move up in round two, this time taking Taylor. And general manager John Schneider talked about just how important it was for the team to try and move up to draft Taylor. From from the get go this morning, we, you know, we were we were on it trying to move and and uh, the whole way. I mean, we were trying to go up pretty high <laughs> to get him. Like I said, we, we considered taking him last night. So uh, it's it was it was. It was on for a long time, and then finally we were able to get a deal done uh, with the Jets and, and uh, Joe Douglas, and and uh, we were able to get on the clock and, and take him, so it was very exciting. The Seahawks stayed put in the first round for the first time since 2011, but they were active in trades on day two of the draft this year because they were able to trade multiple times. Here's John Schneider talking about the process of navigating the trades. You have to give it, you know, our, our IT guys and, and, and Trent Kirshner, Matt Berry worked on a really cool program for us to be able to, you know, communicate virtually. Uh, we can, we can, you know, discuss, we can look at every, every, every team we're talking to and, you know, there's, there's uh, scenarios up there and it's, 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 uh, they've just done a really good job with it and, and have really have had, had great communication and it's, it's gone. It was it was it was it was very smooth. We could see it was coming. We tried to navigate to, you know, where we thought we needed to be um, to go up and get Daryl. And then, uh, you know, uh, with Damien's, you know, it's not, you know, there's it's this isn't necessarily when you're in the draft. It's not necessarily when you, when you're in the draft weekend. It's not necessarily about the evaluations themselves. It's more about how you acquire the player. And and uh, so you know, for us to have a guy that's going to come in here and compete, you know, at, at, at right guard, championship kid. I mean, we felt like that was a great place to take him. And, and uh, 
yeah. So it was, it was, uh, the, 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 the challenges, the guys did a great job today. I mean, we, I feel like we could go for a couple more days now. Obviously the Vikings do too, because they have 13 picks left now. So how would Schneider feel about having a haul like that, similar to the Vikings on the third day of the draft? It'd be awesome. It'd <laughs> be total blast, man. You know, I, I was thinking, I was just thinking the, the process of it, you know, rookie free agency is going to be so crazy this year. It's, it's, you know, it might be a great philosophy for them to just, you know, pick as many guys as they possibly can. And so they're not, you know, uh, out there recruiting and, um, and that's, you know, the way they're going to spend their rookie pool, rookie free agency pool. The Vikings ultimately ended up with 11 picks on day three. They traded two of those spots for future picks. But let's get back to the Seahawks draft. And considering the Seahawks gave up a late third rounder to move up into the second, then they moved out of their last pick in the second to get an early third as well as a fifth. Was it important to trade back and add another pick after moving up to get Daryl Taylor? It was really more about, again, it's it's more about, you know, how, how you acquire the players that you've, you've identified. And Pete and I are talking the whole time. You know, we have people on, on Skype or on uh, Zoom. There's a whole bunch of guys on there that are working on trades and a couple other people that are um, hanging out watching. And then Pete and I are able to go back and forth together. And then, and that's, you know, it's basically like, Hey, you know, are, are you comfortable with this player? I mean, we, we, we've talked about this stuff for a number of weeks now. And so he's, you know, we, we, we just, it's kind of a, we just kind of reiterate like, okay, here we are. We're going to try to move here and acquire this player in, in that Avenue. And, and I think, again, I think our guys do a great job of, of uh, maneuver, helping us maneuver around and, and kind of help Pete and I wrap our minds around where we're going to go. Yeah, I think you would be surprised at how many scenarios our guys presented to us uh, during the course of just these, these first rounds. Every step of the way, almost every pick, it seems like something's coming up one way or the other. Um, they were very, very active, and they were very smooth. It was We really had no problem at all navigating, and, and uh, John was totally in command and uh, running the ship. and worked out great. So both the Seahawks' day two picks were impacted by trades. Let's get to that third round pick, Damian Lewis out of LSU, the right guard. We'll talk about him coming up next. We're going back and listening to Pete Carroll and John Schneider from the day two draft press conference about Daryl Taylor and Damian Lewis. Their two picks from day two. Lewis was the third Seahawks player taken that day with the 69th overall pick. What was the thought behind taking another offensive lineman with so many players already on the roster on offensive line? Just trying to get as much, comp- you know, much competition as we possibly can to protect our quarterback. You know, we think we have the best quarterback in the National Football League, and we have to we have to figure out the best uh, the best group to protect him. So, how does John Schneider assess offensive lineman Damian Lewis? He's got good length for a guy that's not, you know, ideally as tall as you know some would like, but you know, I think it's you know personally, we you know I, I like it because he plays with great leverage and he's he's a real stout dude. Nobody really walks him back. Uh, he's very aggressive and, uh, he's got, he's got great eyes and he's played again. He's played against the best players in the country. General manager, John Schneider was asked if he sees Damian Lewis as a right guard, or if he has the ability to move to other spots on the offensive line. Well, it's easy for easier for us to just, you know, uh, project that we've seen him do it 22 straight starts and, you know, playing big time football and, uh, or, big boy football as uh 
Aaron Heinlein, our area scout, calls it. Uh, but he, he had fallen in love with them. And, and Scott Fitter, the guys that went into the school, he's a self-made guy, man. You know, JC guy from uh, from uh, Mississippi. And and uh, he's just this, he's just a, I mean, he rode the bus, you know, like from his apartment to school every day and stuff. And you just, I don't know, there's just so many cool things about the guy. And he's so stout. He's so heavy with his hands. He's got great anchors. He's got really good eyes. And you can see him play against uh, top-level competition. So it makes the the uh, evaluation that much easier. But, you know, yes, he has taken some snaps at center. Uh, but obviously we see it's it's easier for us to see him competing at right guard. How does Coach Carroll feel about Lewis being able to come in and compete for playing time right away? Yeah, he will. Uh, he, he won't take a backseat to anybody. He's going to come in here and battle for it. And so um, we feel really good. That's, that's really part of the reason we, we took him. We want him to come in here and battle to play. And uh, all of that competition will make us better. He's a grown man. I mean, that's, that's you know, we talked about it. Before. I think we talked about it a couple of days ago. You know, Russ, Russ runs grown men in front of him. And that's what this guy is. Of course, we didn't know at the time that DJ Fluker would be cut just days later after drafting Lewis in the third round, but it makes it that much more important to hear what Pete Carroll has to say about how a player like Damian Lewis is going to make that transition from the college game to the pro game. Fortunately, they had a, uh, at LSU, they had a very high-tech program. They were very much the cutting edge, pass protection-wise, and, and the concepts that they coached and demanded of the players to learn uh, his coaches, Eddie in particular, raved about his his work ethic, uh, his study ethic, um, and, and it's just his overall smarts and, and understanding of the game. Um, so uh, all of that's going to come into play. Our, what we're asking our players to learn as far as our installations and this new mode that we're in, um, we've, we're you know tailoring that as well. Um, and, and really with the long – with a flexible way of looking at the long haul, we don't know what, what you know, what it's going to be. So um, we'll find out, you know, how much they can pick up. Obviously the veterans that come in have an edge. They've got to cash in on that edge, you know, so that they can maintain their, their competitive opportunity and all that. That's always the case, you know, and so when the young guys come in and we 18 guys come in right now, looking at, at, at what these guys are up against, this is going to bring out the very best in them. We want to play great football up front. We want to, you know, give Russ the chance to really tear it up like he can. And so everybody's going to be battling to get that done. It's going to it's going to take a lot of uh, unique adaptive coordination to take advantage of the times that we have, the format that we have. You know, we're going to have a, a rookie minicamp, and it's going to be a virtual one. You know, and so you know we're, we have all of our ways, creative ways to try to make that really advantageous for the guys. But it's it, we're all battling. It's a competition, you know, for the players, the competition with the coaches, and, and to get this done as we race to you know game one. So considering how LSU's head coach, Ed Orgeron, was an assistant coach for Pete Carroll, won the national title at USC with Coach Carroll in 2003-2004, Pete talks about the importance of having relationships like the one he has with Orgeron, especially when it comes to the draft. Well, Eddie's had influence <clears throat> on the entire draft. <laughs> he started with the first pick and the whole thing, you know, and they have a bunch of guys that have been picked already and there'll be some more. Um, we have very, very clear communication with Eddie throughout. We, we stay in touch. Uh, matter of fact, he was the highlight of the post-draft uh, pick of Damian Williams. He, everybody got to, to hear him as he was going on and on about him and how much he loves the kid and all that. Um, but, yeah, I, we had great – our scouts had great information. It was really helpful. That, you know, I felt really confident, too, and, and, and to see 
uh, all the connections and why we felt so strongly about Damon, you know, from the background checks and all of that. Um, so, it, it, you know, those kinds of relationships are important. And Eddie and I see things, you know, squared up. And, and uh, so when he's telling me I'm going to love this kid and I'm going to think the world of him by the way he competes and battles and all that, I know, he, I know he's right, you know, so that does help. Keep in mind, they also took another LSU player in the seventh round and traded a 2021 sixth-round pick to get back into the draft to pick Stefan Sullivan. So maybe some insider information there from Orgeron as well. As we close out with some of the questions from the press conference, we move into just some of the process leading up to the draft. And here's John Schneider addressing just how many players came in before the facility was closed and the impression that Daryl Taylor made during his visit there that helped lead him toward being selected. I think we only had maybe two or three. We had a couple of veterans in for physicals that same day. So I'm trying to remember exactly how many guys, but uh, the fact that he could jump from room to room, he could go to Pete's office, to my office, to, you know, the, 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 uh, the equipment room to, you know, the, the training room, spend time with our docs, spend time with the defensive staff, you know, the, the D-line coach, uh, Co- Coach Hurt. I mean, everybody everybody was just – he just handled himself very well um, and was excited to be there. You know, we ended up having lunch with him that day, too, and a couple of us. He just did a great job. He was just, he was just a very impressive, impressive young man with an edge, and he's got a chip, and he's – mad that he didn't have a better season and he you know this guy who knows if he's healthy this year like where where we're talking about drafting him the general manager goes on to talk about each of the first three picks and how they gave an impression how they really wanted things to work out to be able to play in seattle particularly with taylor it helped that the medical staff had a chance to check him in person something a lot of other teams likely missed out on yeah all three of them were you know uh, when daryl left the building that day he's like man i really hope this works out and and he had played uh, played ball with Khalil McKenzie, who's on our team, Reggie McKenzie's son, and and uh, so we had some really good inside scoop on him too. And and quite frankly, I think with Daryl, it, it it helped us that you know we were one of the few uh, teams that were able to have our 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 uh, medical staff really you know get into it and put their hands on him and and evaluate him further. All three of the players that the Seahawks took have suffered through some hardships from experiencing a period of homelessness to having family members incarcerated. John Schneider and Pete Carroll talk about how it's not just going through a hardship. It's about how they react and grow as a result of those experiences. From, I think from day one, you know, we've always talked about, you know, trying to build a football team that could go play anybody anywhere. If it was in a park or in a street or in a football stadium, wherever. And so, you know, when we, when we look at these guys, you know, you know, to have that grit level in our minds, they have to be able to overcome some sort of obstacle. And, uh, you know, all three of these gentlemen have. I mean, Daryl Taylor was is a very talented, talented pass rusher. You'd very easily just shut it down and, and, and uh, uh, you know, with his, with his stress fracture. And he ended up, even with that, you know, fighting through it. But he wouldn't have been able to do that if he hadn't overcome so many things in his past before this past season. So, uh, he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's grown a lot. Everybody talks about how he's matured as a man at the school and, and, uh, you know, Jason Barnes got to know him, uh, very well. Jason covers, uh, the Midwest for us and, uh, yeah, just stayed in touch with them. And, and, uh, like I said, we just had a great visit with him. 
but there's a whole bunch of people. It's a, it's a, you know, our, we learn about grit more and more and more every year and we focus on it. And, um, it's just a never ending study. It's a good question. Yeah. These guys, life experiences, they mold you one way or the other, you know, and, and the guys that have been able to have the support when they needed it or the, just a stick to itness, you know, that they, when they were up against the big challenges, if they make it through it, it makes them stronger. And these guys have all been guys that they, they were probably pretty ready to tell you about their story. And they, they let you know, you know, about their background and how, uh, I think it's a clear statement of how the challenging, difficult times can really make you stronger and make you better. And these guys are examples of that. And, and if they learn the lessons, then they bring along that, that, that willfulness that can make them unique and special. And, and we really feel like these guys are all uh, ones that come in with a chip on their shoulder. They've got something to prove. They're not going to be denied. They're not going to let anybody get, get in their way and take it away from them. Um, you know, really, I'm sure you heard that uh, from uh, Jordan last night. And, and uh, it's a, I think John has really made it important to the scouts to understand these guys and to know and, and, and understand the impact that their lives have had so that they can contribute to us. And, and, uh, uh, we're thrilled about these guys, and this is the kind of people that you want to build a team with. With the ability to get together for mini camps and training camps in question, did the idea of looking for guys with grit play even more of a factor this year than in previous years? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been a it's been a big issue for us. Uh, a primary primary part of our scouting philosophy this year, anyway, and and now especially with acquisition, it's it's uh it's all about the guys that can come in here and and can't contribute right away and you know so again you know having the pass rush to be able to come in spend time with our docs again extra time and then uh be around our coaches <clears throat> made us feel all that much more uh positive about his his football knowledge and everything they asked him to do there um he he, he had to do a little bit normal more than the normal uh rusher and uh uh was very familiar with um you know could explain the schemes and everything he was doing and and uh, so, yeah, we're excited to get him in here and, and get him going. And, and, and you know, all, all the guys that are – it's been a focus for us no matter what. Yeah, we want to have guys that we know can come in and, and uh, uh, you know, don't necessarily need a ton of uh, hand-holding. Coach Carroll addresses just how long it takes for players to come in and feel as though they are getting into a professional caliber routine. It's, it's such an individual thing. It depends on the de- development, depends on what he was like when he went into school, you know, and all that. And what was the process like? What did he overcome? Well, I mean, it just depends, you know, that there's not a really set time, you know. I don't think the guys really start turning the corner to about 24, 25 years old, you know, truly. And, and, uh, but there's always guys that are ahead of the curve on that. Um, so it just depends. And that's why the, all of the work that John does, all those guys is so crucial. Our coaches try to top it off at the end of the process, but you know, our guys go all the way back to seeing these guys in, as underclassmen and they see them coming out of their, their junior years or the year before and to try to understand, you know, how far they have come. Um, some programs are, you know, different than others and they, they demand their guys to come farther sooner and um, which are, you know, we understand. And so it's, it's, there's just no set way, no set time. And so now we close it out with head coach Pete Carroll addressing this issue. Do New players coming in get a sense for the type of culture the team has, considering so many of them have this shared experience of overcoming adversity. Coach Carroll was asked if that had some kind of an impact on their ability to come in with a greater willingness to learn. I would hope, you know, we do have pretty general response about 
from players on the outside looking in at us that that they they are curious. You know, they do want to see what we're all about. They've heard this or that about it. Um, and, and hopefully when they come to meet our, our folks and they, they get a sense for the environment and the energy that they, like we, we talked about, uh, you know, with, with uh, D. Taylor, you know, he came in there and he, he really could feel it. And he was, you know, he felt the, the everybody's willingness to accept him, you know, immediately. And, and that that's part of the culture. And, and I, I think um, it's all part of trying to nurture a great environment so they can excel and do really well at it and part of that is helping them feel comfortable and whether they can adapt quickly and they're not waiting and wondering what's going on you know we try to embrace these guys right from the moment they get here and open up to them so that they can be receptive to you know and so that we can really take them you know to the the, the furthest reaches and so um i think it's all connected and and it the the challenges that they faced and in, in, in are, are one thing you know that's that's their tremendous individual accomplishment and then it's, it's on us us to figure out how we can communicate with them based on where they're coming from and what they're looking for you know what's important to them and all of that that's all part of our discovery process so that we can reach these guys and do, do some really cool things with them so um but you know i, I think it's all part of the environment and, I th- and hopefully we'll continue to make it a good one so these guys can flourish and that does it for the day two press conference with pete carroll and john schneider if you're just tuning into the podcast, be sure and subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. You can go back and hear the pick-by-pick analysis throughout all three days of the draft. Hear the press conference going into the draft. Be sure and go back and listen to Samuel Gold of The Athletic and of Field Goals. He comes on and talks about Jordan Brooks and breaks down game film from going back to 2019, going back to 2018 and how some of the perceptions about Brooks out there may be a little bit different based on when you watch particular film of Jordan Brooks. Lots of draft coverage to check out, and I will be continuing to bring you more draft coverage throughout this week. So stay tuned, more to come, and until then, go Hawks!